Chapter Nine of Stories from Virgil. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Stories from Virgil by Alfred J. Church. Chapter Nine. The Love and Death of Dido. Much was Queen Dido moved by the story, and much did she marvel at him that told it, and scarce could sleep for thinking of him. And the next day she spake to Anna, her sister, O oh, my sister, I have been troubled this night with ill dreams, and my heart is disquieted within me. What a man is this stranger that hath come to our shores! How noble of mien! How bold in war! Sure I am that he is of the sons of the gods! What fortunes have been his! Of what wars he told us! Surely were I not steadfastly purposed that I would not yoke me again in marriage, this were the man to whom I might yield. Only he, for I will tell thee the truth, my sister, only he, since the day when Sychaeus died by his brother's hand, hath moved my heart. But may the earth swallow me up, or the Almighty Father strike me with lightning, ere I stoop to such baseness. The husband of my youth hath carried with him my love, and he shall keep it in his grave. So she spake, with many tears, and her sister made answer, why wilt thou waste thy youth in sorrow, without child or husband? Thinkest thou that there is care or remembrance of such things in the grave? No suitors indeed have pleased thee here or entire. But wilt thou also contend with a love that is after thine own heart? Think, too, of the nations among whom thou dwellest, how fierce they are, and of thy brother Attire, what he threatens against thee. Surely it was by the will of the gods, and of Juno chiefly, that the ships of Troy came hither. And this city, which thou buildest, to what greatness will it grow, if only thou wilt make for thyself such alliance? How great will be the glory of Carthage, if the strength of Troy be joined unto her? Only do thou pray to the gods, and offer sacrifices. And for the present, seeing that the time of sailing is now past, make excuse that these strangers tarry with thee a while. Thus did Anna comfort her sister and encourage her, and first the two offered sacrifice to the gods, chiefly to Juno, who careth for the bond of marriage. Also, examining the entrails of slain beasts, they sought to learn the things that should happen thereafter, and ever Dido would company with Aeneas, leading him about the walls of the city which she builded. And often she would begin to speak and stay in the midst of her words. And when even was come, she would hear again, and again, at the banquet, the tale of Troy. And while others slept, would watch, and while he was far away, would seem to see him and to hear him. Ascanius, too, she would embrace, for love of his father, if so she might, cheat her own heart. But the work of the city was stayed, meanwhile, nor did the towers rise in their places, nor the youth practice themselves in arms. Then Juno, seeing how it fared with the queen, spake to Venus, are ye satisfied with your victory, thou and thy son, that ye have vanquished the two of you one woman? Well I knew that thou fearedst, lest this Carthage should harm thy favourite. But why should there be war between us? Thou hast what thou seekest? Let us make alliance. Let Dido obey a Phrygian husband, and bring the men of Tyre as her dowry. But Venus knew that she spake with ill intent, to the end that the men of Troy should not reign in the land of Italy. Nevertheless she dissembled with her tongue, and spake, Who would not rather have peace with thee than war? 
Only I doubt whether this thing shall be to the pleasure of Jupiter. This thou must learn, seeing that thou art his wife, and where thou leadest I will follow. So the two, taking counsel together, ordered things in this wise. The next day a great hunting was prepared. For as soon as ever the sun was risen upon the earth, the youth of the city assembled, with nets and hunting spears and dogs that ran by scent. And the princes of Carthage waited for the queen at the palace door, where her horse stood champing the bit, with trappings of purple and gold. And after a while she came forth, with many following her, and she had upon her a Sidonian mantle, with a border wrought with diverse colours. Of gold was her quiver, and of gold the knot of her hair, and of gold the clasp to her mantle. Aeneas likewise came forth, beautiful as is Apollo when he leaveth Lydia and the stream of Xanthus, coming to Delos, and hath about his hair a wreath of bay-leaves, and a circlet of gold. So fair was Aeneas to see. And when the hunters came to the hills they found great store of goats and stags, which they chased. And of all the company Ascanius was the foremost, thinking scorn of such hunting, and wishing that a wild boar or a lion out of the hills should come forth to be his prey. And now befell a great storm, with much thunder and hail, from which the hunters sought shelter. But Aeneas and the queen, being left of all their company, came together to the same cave, and there they plighted their troth one to another nor did the queen after that make secret of her love, but called Aeneas her husband. Straightway went rumour, and told these things through the cities of Libya. Now rumour, men say, is the youngest daughter of earth, a marvellous creature, moving very swiftly with feet and wings, and having many feathers upon her, and under every feather an eye and a tongue and a mouth and an ear. In the night she flies between heaven and earth, and sleepeth not and in the day she sits on some housetop or lofty tower, or spreads fear over mighty cities. And she loveth that which is false, even as she loveth that which is true. So now she went telling through Libya how Aeneas of Troy was come, and Dido was wedded to him, and how they lived careless and at ease, and thinking not of the work to which they were called. And first of all she went to Prince Iarbas, who himself had sought Dido in marriage. And Iarbas was very wroth when he heard it and coming to the temple of Jupiter spread his grief before the god, how that he had given a place on his coasts to this Dido, and would have taken her to wife, but that she had married a stranger from Phrygia, another Paris, whose dress and adornments were of a woman rather than of a man. And Jupiter saw that this was so, and he said to Mercury, who was his messenger, Go speak to Aeneas these words. Thus saith the king of gods and men, is this what thy mother promised of thee, twice saving thee from the spear of the Greeks? Art thou he that shall rule Italy and its mighty men of war, and spread thy dominion to the ends of the world? If thou thyself forgettest these things, dost thou grudge to thy son the citadels of Rome? What doest thou here? Why lookest thou not to Italy? Depart, and tarry not." Then Mercury fitted the winged sandals to his feet, and took the wand with which he driveth the spirits of the dead, and came right soon to Mount Atlas, which standeth bearing the heaven on his head, and having always clouds about his top, and snow upon his shoulders, and a beard that is stiff with ice. There Mercury stood a while, then, as a bird which seeks its prey in the sea, shot headlong down, and came to Aeneas where he stood, with a yellow jasper in his sword-hilt, and a cloak of purple shot with gold about his shoulders, and spake. 
Buildest thou Carthage, forgetting thine own work? The Almighty Father saith to thee, What meanest thou? Why tarriest thou here? If thou carest not for thyself, yet think of thy son, and that the fates have given to him Italy and Rome. And Aeneas saw him no more, and he stood stricken with fear and doubt. Fame would he obey the voice, and go as the gods commanded, but how should he tell this purpose to the queen? But at the last it seemed good to him to call certain of the chiefs, as Menestheus, and Sergestus, and Antheus, and bid them make ready the ships in silence, and gather together the people, but dissemble the cause, and he himself would watch a fitting time to speak and unfold the matter to the queen. Yet was not Dido deceived, for love is keen of sight. Rumour also told her that they had made ready the ships for sailing. Then, flying through the city, even as one on whom has come the frenzy of Bacchus flies by night over Mount Cithaeron, she came upon Aeneas, and spake, Thoughtest thou to hide thy crime, and to depart in silence from this land? Carest not thou for her whom thou leavest to die? And hast thou no fear of winter-storms that vex the sea? By all that I have done for thee, and given thee, if there be yet any place for repentance, repent thee of this purpose. For thy sake I suffer the wrath of the princes of Libya, and of my own people, and if thou leavest me, for what should I live? Till my brother overthrow my city, or Iarbas carry me away captive? But if I had a little Aeneas to play in my halls, I should not seem so altogether desolate. But Aeneas, fearing the words of Jupiter, stood with eyes that relented not. At the last he spake, I deny not, O queen, the benefits that thou hast done unto me, nor ever while I live shall I forget Dido. I sought not to fly by stealth, yet did I never promise that I would abide in this place. Could I have chosen according to my will I had built again the city of Troy where it stood? But the gods command that I should seek Italy. Thou hast thy Carthage, why dost thou grudge Italy to us? Nor may I tarry. Night after night have I seen my father Anchises warning me in dreams. Also even now the messenger of Jupiter came to me, with these ears I heard him, and bade me depart. Then, in great wrath, with eyes askance, did Dido break forth upon him. Surely no goddess was thy mother, nor art thou come of the race of Dardanus. The rocks of Caucasus brought thee forth, and an Hyrcanian Tigris gave thee suck. For why should I dissemble? Was he moved at all by tears? Did he pity my love? Nay, the very gods are against me. This man I took to myself when he was shipwrecked and ready to perish. I brought back his ships, his companions, from destruction, and now forsooth comes the messenger of Jupiter with dreadful commands from the gods. As for thee, I keep thee not. Go, seek thy Italy across the seas. Only, if there is any vengeance in heaven, thou wilt pay the penalty for this wrong, being wrecked on some rock in their midst. Then wilt thou call on Dido in vain. Ay, and wherever thou shalt go, I will haunt thee, and rejoice in the dwellings below to hear thy doom. Then she turned, and hasted to go into the house, but her spirit left her so that her maidens bare her to her chamber, and laid her on her bed. Then Aeneas, though indeed he was much troubled in heart, and would fain have comforted the queen, was obedient to the heavenly word and departed to his ships, and the men of Troy busied themselves in making them ready for the voyage. 
even as the ants spoil a great heap of corn and store it in their dwellings against winter, moving in a black line across the field, and some carry the great grains and some chide those that linger, even so did the Trojans swarm along the ways and labour at the work. But when Dido saw it, she called to Anna, her sister, and said, Seest thou how they hasten the work along the shore? Even now the sails are ready for the winds, and the sailors have wreathed the ships with garlands, as if for departure. Go thou! The deceiver always trusted thee, and thou knowest how best to move him. Go and entreat him. I harm not him nor his people. Let him then grant me this only. Let him wait for a fairer time for his journey. I ask not that he give up his purpose, only that he grant me a short breathing space, till I may learn how to bear this sorrow." And Anna hearkened to her sister, and took the message to Aeneas, yet profited nothing, for the gods shut his ears that he should not hear. Even as an oak stands firm when the north wind would root it up from the earth, its leaves are scattered all around, yet doth it remain firm, for its roots go down to the regions below even as far as its branches reached to heaven, so stood Aeneas firm, and though he wept many tears, changed not his purpose. Then did Dido grow weary of her life, for when she did sacrifice the pure water would grow black, and the wine be changed into blood. Also from the shrine of her husband, which was in the midst of her palace, was heard a voice calling her, and the owl cried aloud from her housetop and in her dreams the cruel Aeneas seemed to drive her before him. Or she seemed to be going a long way with none to bear her company, and be seeking her own people in a land that was desert. Therefore, hiding the thing that was in her heart, she spake to her sister, saying, I have found a way, my sister, that shall bring him back to me or set me free from him. Near the shore of the great sea, where the Ethiopians dwell, is a priestess, who guards the temple of the daughters of Hesperus, being wont to feed the dragons that kept the apples of gold. She is able by her charms to loose the heart from care or bind it, and to stay rivers also, and to turn the courses of the stars, and to call up the spirits of the dead. Do thou, therefore, for this is what the priestess commands, build a pile in the open court, and put thereon the sword which he left hanging in our chamber, and the garments he wore and the couch on which he lay, even all that was his, so that they may perish together. And when these things were done, for Anna knew not of her purpose, and also an image of Aeneas was laid upon the pile, the priestess, with her hair unbound, called upon all the gods that dwell below, sprinkling thereon water that was drawn, she said, from the lake of Avernus, and scattering evil herbs that had been cut at the full moon with a sickle of bronze. Dido also, with one foot bare and her garments loosened, threw meal upon the fire, and called upon the gods, if haply there be any, that look upon those that love and suffer wrong. In the meantime Aeneas lay asleep in the hind part of his ship, when there appeared to him in a dream the god Mercury, even as he had seen him when he brought the commandment of Jupiter. And Mercury spake, saying, Son of Venus, canst thou sleep? Seest thou not what perils surround thee, nor hearest how the favourable west wind calls? The queen purposes evil against thee. If thou lingerest till the morning come, thou wilt see the shore covered with them that wish thee harm. Fly then, and tarry not, for a woman is ever of many minds. Then did Aeneas in great fear start from his sleep, 
and call his companions, saying, Wake, and sit on the benches, and loose the sails, tis a god thus bids us fly. And even as he spake he cut the cable with his sword, and all hasted to follow him, and sped over the sea. And now it was morning, and Queen Dido from her watch-tower saw the ships upon the sea. Then she smote upon her breast, and tore her hair, and cried, Shall this stranger mock us thus? Hasten to follow him, bring down the ships from the docks, make ready sword and fire. And this was the man who bare upon his shoulders his aged father. Why did I not tear him to pieces, and slay his companions with the sword, and serve up the young Ascanius at his meal? And if I had perished, what then? For I die to-day. O sun that regardest all the earth, and Juno that carest for marriage-bonds, and Hecate, queen of the dead, and ye furies that take vengeance on evil-doers, hear me! If it be ordered that he reach this land, yet grant that he suffer many things from his enemies, and be driven from his city, and beg for help from strangers, and see his people cruelly slain with the sword. And when he shall have made peace on ill conditions, that he enjoy not long his kingdom, but die before his day, and lie unburied on the plain. And ye, men of Tyre, hate his children and his people for ever. Let there be no love or peace between you. And may some avenger arise from my grave, who shall persecute the race of Dardanus with fire and sword. So shall there be war for ever between him and me. Then she spake to old Barsay who had been nursed to her husband Sychaeus. Bid my sister bathe herself in water, and bring with her beasts for sacrifice, and do thou also put a garland about thy head, for I am minded to finish this sacrifice which I have begun, and to burn the image of the man of Troy. And when the old woman made haste to do her bidding, Queen Dido ran to the court where the pile was made for the burning, and mounted on the pile, and drew the sword of Aeneas from the scabbard, then did she throw herself upon the bed, and cry, Now do I yield up my life, I have finished my course, I have built a mighty city, I have avenged my husband on him that slew him. Happy had I been, yea, too happy, had the ships of Troy never come to this land. Then she kissed the bed, and cried, Shall I die unavenged? Nevertheless let me die. The man of Troy shall see this fire from the sea whereon he journeys, and carry with him an augury of death. And when her maidens looked, lo, she had fallen upon the sword, and the blood was upon her hands. And a great cry went up through the palace, exceeding loud and bitter, even as if the enemy had taken Carthage or ancient Tyre. And the fire were mounting over the dwellings of men and of gods. And Anna her sister heard it, and rushing through the midst called her by name. O my sister, was this thy purpose? Were the pile and the sword and the fire for this? Why wouldst thou not suffer that I should die with thee? For surely, my sister, thou hast slain thyself, and me, and thy people, and thy city. But give me water, ye maidens, that I may wash her wounds, and if there be any breath left in her, we may yet stay it. Then she climbed on to the pile, and caught her sister in her arms, and sought to staunch the blood with her garments. Three times did Dido strive to raise her eyes, three times did her spirit leave her, three times she would have raised herself upon her elbow, three times she fell back upon the bed, looking with wandering eyes for the light, and groaning that she yet beheld it. Then Juno, looking down from heaven, saw that her pain was long, and pitied her, and sent down Iris, her messenger, that she might loose the soul that struggled to be free. 
for seeing that she died not by nature, nor yet by the hand of man, but before her time and of her own madness, Queen Proserpine had not shred the ringlet from her head which she shreds from them that die. Wherefore Iris, flying down with dewy wings from heaven, with a thousand colours about her from the light of the sun, stood above her head, and said, I give thee to death, even as I am bidden, and loose thee from thy body. Then she shred the lock, and Queen Dido gave up the ghost. End of chapter 9 Recording by Bill Borst